0: Good evening. Hope everybody's doing well today. Hope you don't mind my little Crowder intro. Gives me a second to get everything uh, shared and on my Facebook, as y'all know, I've got a lot of uh, different pages and groups and things I like to share it too, and uh, particularly my fighting for additional american values page and i have over uh, fifty thousand people on there and have as not uncommon throughout any given week to uh, according to the statistics on facebook to reach over a million people uh so that's why i, I try to make it a point whenever uh, we have a uh, whether the dad speaks or a guest speaker or myself always make sure if nothing else we can get it out on there because that's a lot of people we can had the potential to minister to. And so for the most part, uh, we uh, uh, have, uh, sorry, my watch is acting crazy here. Hold on, sorry. (laughs) Siri kept activating. But uh, uh, so, you know, we want to make sure we use every opportunity we have to uh, uh, get the gospel out of all possible. So I hope everybody's had a great day today, a blessed day. Uh, For those on social media, I'm glad you're able to hear uh, the uh, morning service. If you haven't I got to listen to uh, Dr. Vic Young's morning message. Be sure and look that up and uh, I know on the website we had some complications that were beyond our control and uh, I know there was the video went out but no audio but I tell you what uh, uh, Mr. Josh Lovelace and uh, Phil Tidwell and uh, Darlene Barker they all worked so hard and tried to uh, get our services out each and every time we meet and I know they were really working extra hard uh, to uh, to take care of that but there was just something going on that it was Uh, out of their hands, but Lord willing, uh, we'll get with uh, Mr. Greg Mullins, and he can get that uh, straightened out, and um, Mr., mike clark uh we i miss seeing you this morning too sir randy jones and wilma phoenix and kayla Hins- kyla Hensley. she'll kill me and mispronouncing her name uh, she won't let me back into saying if i say her name wrong but uh, so but anyway uh if you have any prayer requests or prayer concerns be sure to put those in the comments below those on social media obviously and uh because of the website they don't have that uh if you had the ability i wouldn't be able to see it so it wouldn't do do me any good anyway but uh but put those prayer request out there and we'll be happy to uh uh, uh Pray over those uh, concerns, Mr. Roger Winner. Mr. Murph is watching. Thank you, Mr. Murph. We pray for you each and every morning. So I hope you know that. We, every time we do our devotions, uh, or even in the evenings, uh, uh, we always try to uh, try to always lift you up in prayer, sir. So I hope you hope you're doing well. Uh, be in prayer for my dad. I tell you, he he fights that old diverticulitis, and I tell you what they a get chunk as y'all know. They take get of my gut out because of that mess, and I, it is no fun at all. So it is, uh, it's miserable. It, I keep putting the words how how horrible and miserable that is. It is just uh, I, I don't know how to, how to even begin to put it into words. I'll be honest. If you have any prayer request, uh, prayer request. If you have your Bibles handy, uh, turn to Romans chapter five, verse one. Romans chapter five, verse one. And I'll give you just a second for those who may have your physical Bibles there or electronic ones or what it is you use to look up the Scripture or maybe you've got the Bible memorized and you don't have to, so whatever the case may be. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ let this reading and the hearing of it to our hearts. Says me, as me old Peppy always says, "Oh, my mother-in-law's watching." I would be praying for her. She's uh, uh, woke up real sick this morning, wasn't able to make it to church, or at least that was her excuse. So, uh, but I, I, I take her word for it. But uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads, go for the Lord in prayer. Therefore, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for this wonderful and beautiful day that you have blessed us with. Thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for your grace, your mercy, your understanding. Uh, Lord, I just want to lift up uh, Mr. Roger Winters, Mr. Murph, Lord Jesus, and I pray that you bring healing upon him. Our sister in Christ, Kim Penix, and Ginger Hood, and Troy, and Lord, I pray that you bring healing upon him with his allergies and health issues that are going on, and his cousin. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you'll be with Linda Feathers and David Feathers. Lord, I pray that you be with Ron and Thelma Thompson, Lord, I pray that you'll be with Ron and Todd Ferguson and his family, I know they had to go to the funeral today for the loss of his hand, and I know they were very close, and it's uh, been been hard on him, Lord, I pray that you'll bring peace upon him and, uh, and his family, and Lord, I pray that you'll be with uh, all those that uh, have messaged me throughout the week, and uh, Facebook, or, or uh, our text messages, Lord Jesus, you know the hearts of mine of each and Every single person, that your will be done. In those situations, Lord, will lift up our nation to you, and I pray that you touch the hearts and minds before it's too late and bring peace upon our land. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, uh, as far as announcement goes, uh, uh, we can, um, you know, of course, Wednesday night at seven o'clock, we'll continue our. Online Bible study, as we have been, Uh, Lord willing, we'll continue on to Hebrews. Hope you didn't mind me taking a little uh, side trip there this past Wednesday. I found it was necessary uh, to touch on the subject matter at hand in regards to uh, uh, how our police officers were treated and racism. And uh, uh, I think it was something that uh, that needed to be talked about. And I think we need to take those little uh, uh, side trips from time to time to deviate from our... uh, Normal teaching, uh, I think, for one, because it's relevant, and two, it kind of gives a little break, and, uh, and then it kind of gives us the time to get back and uh, appreciate a little more our study at hand. And we may do it from time to time, and just because we're doing a uh, 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 an exegetical study in Hebrews doesn't mean that we can't uh, deviate, hit on other topics and subjects uh, as we go along, and uh, just say, hey, "Well, I'm a firm believer," and that's the way my dad taught me it's the way he does if uh, whatever the lord leads that's what we got to do you know so whether it's in this book of hebrews or the lord lays a, a topic on our mind we got to we got to do as the spirit leads but uh, so lord willing we'll see where we head uh this wednesday at seven o'clock uh don't forget this weekend is father's day weekend and uh of course i uh, have the world's greatest dad and i love him dearly and i tell you i want to miss having a car and box show uh this weekend i tell you we always have that every father's day weekend and i look forward to i look forward to seeing all the cars and trucks and everybody brings out all their yard sale stuff to sell and i tell you i want to miss all that to uh, get to see everybody but you know maybe we can try again later on in the year or just hit it hard again next year i don't know we'll just see see what the future holds with this whole virus ordeal they said that uh Uh, Myrtle Beach, they're they're shutting uh, restaurants back down again uh, because of the uh, rise and spike in the virus, which is to be expected. I'll be honest with you, a lot of people just, um, I don't think, are taking it that serious. So, I don't know, real or imagined, it is what it is. But uh, but anyway, um, of course, this Sunday morning, you heard Dad announce... Uh, we'll have uh, uh, yeah, from 11 to 12, we're going to have uh, our praise team, uh, the FLBC praise team out there. They'll be uh, bringing a concert there uh, on the grounds, of the outside stage, bringing you a picnic, and uh, we're going to uh, uh, just spend time rejoicing with the Lord, with our loved ones. And uh, then, of course, no uh, evening services this Sunday because uh, whether it be a Father's Day weekend or else a lot of people are traveling or. Spending time with family and cookouts and such, so we uh, won't be having any uh, online evening service next Sunday, but uh, so that's uh, about all I got right now, uh, as far as I know, but uh, if there's anything else out there, and as it comes up, of course, I always try to let those on social media know throughout the week, which is kind of unfair to those who don't do social media, because then they're they're like, well, nobody told me, but I, I... You know, I don't know who's on social media and who isn't, so I'm sorry. I can't help it. But anyway, so, well, let's go ahead and dive into our word this evening. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 10. So, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness for a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. Hold on here, sorry. Uh, sorry, I got a text message from somebody. I thought it was dead. Uh, For the bread of presence, it is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open, as long as the first section is still standing which is symbolic of the for the present age according to this arrangement gifts and sacrifices are offered they cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper but deal only with food and drink and various washings regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation all right that's a lot of words (laughs) Let's uh, have another quick word of prayer, and we'll dive into this teaching this evening. Uh, Dear Father, Lord, again, we just come before you and praise you and thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to um, spread the gospel message. Lord, help us to glean from this, learn from it, and be used for your glory. Lord, just, uh, Lord, let us uh, be used by you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, uh, Brandy and I have been doing some home renovations. Uh, Some of you have seen some of the pictures on... Social media, some of our, our renovations we've been doing, we've been living here for, gosh, 13 years now, I guess. And uh, I've noticed that, uh, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I went to some friends' homes, and uh, there would be a room that nobody sat in. And then there would be, like, uh, the living room or the den that had, you know, the furniture was a little more used, the dogs got on, you ate at, you watched TV at. But uh, my one friend of mine, his house, uh, uh, he's gone on home to be with Lord now, Lance. And I remember his family had a room, and the the, the furniture was covered in plastic. I mean, you know, like the plastic uh, covers they you zip on the on the furniture, and um, it was just decorated. Uh, Beautifully. He's like we don't go in there. We don't use that. Well, we've been uh, decorating our house You know, like I said, we've been here 13 years. We're, you know, slowly but surely been trying to work on things We we work a little while and you know throughout the years and get bored. Well this time I guess caused the old COVID deal uh, My wife has just been energetic and moving uh, 100 miles an hour wanting to make all these changes and painting and fixing up and and uh, so uh, now when you come in through our door, we have a room that our our living room is now an entertaining room. That uh, she has told us. Her she has beautiful decorative pillows, and and uh, the couches are nice and neat. And uh, we never had a coffee table, or she made sure she had a coffee table and rugs, and decorated the fireplace. We already done in. She decorated it beautifully, and and uh, so she said that's for entertaining. So we have uh, now a. Uh, an area that we sit and eat and, and play in and the dogs come in and not allowed to go anywhere else in the house. And uh, But that section is now, she said, when she gets, when we're working on the kitchen. She said, when that's done, she, she we're going to have a big get together and have people from the church, everybody over and uh, cook out and hang out. So we'll be looking for that uh, invite there. We may uh, have everybody over. But anyway, so that, that is the, uh, the area that's for entertaining only, she said. Well, the reason why you're thinking, what in the world has that got to do with Hebrews 9? Well, all right, so we're looking at the tabernacle. You've got the outer court. You've got the inner court uh, of the tabernacle, okay? And so... uh, the outer court would obviously be kind of like the uh, the the living room, if you will, that uh, we would all kind of hang out in and do what you got to do. Uh, the inner court was the inner sanctum, uh, where the only the high priests were allowed to go to, and the ones who were allowed to go, um, uh, you know, where, where God's presence would be reside around the big curtain. And we're going to get into some detail here in just a minute. Uh, behind the big curtain, you know, they weren't allowed to even go past that. In fact, I mean, they wouldn't even adore that. It's kind of faster to where you can even go back there. But but even with that shielded curtain, uh, they still had to make sure they were purified uh, to even get that far, you know. And, uh, and that was only for the high priest. That was only for the Day of Atonement. And we'll get into that here in just a second, a little more detail on that. I know we've mentioned that before. So, you know, so there was that one part that's kind of like, a, uh, you know, that people were coming in all the time and, 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 uh, asking for forgiveness of sins and, and uh, the main priests were at is probably like busier than uh, the mall at christmas time you know how busy that is but then now the inner court that was you know only segregated for a special day and the special times and uh, so that's why i make the comparison so you kind of get an idea of, of brandy's uh, uh, little area that is for entertaining only that we're not allowed to sit in and versus the area that the dogs and me can sit and eat and be ourselves and so that's why i made that uh, little comparison now uh we're going to get into some detail here about uh the the tabernacle itself uh the dimensions the size how it looked and um you know and on top of that the furnishings you know you know, when I was talking about it with Brandy how she wanted to furnish uh, the um, uh, the living room and have the furniture a certain way, well, the tabernacle it had to have furnishings a certain way. Now, a lot of people don't may not pay attention uh, to someone's uh, couch or chairs or whatever, but in the tabernacle it was so ornate and so crafted, so detailed. Remember, it was made out of solid gold and solid silver, and it was it created. All these furnishings were created and crafted uh, by God's design and how He wanted it to be. You know, I, I love to uh, uh, to carve. You know, I love carving uh, uh, and making walking sticks. I like making the faces. Now, I'm, I, I am small potatoes compared to a lot of people out there that could really create ornate things. And in fact, I tried to make my mom something for Mother's Day. Didn't come out how I pictured it in my head, but i gave it to her she was happy with it so that's all that matters but uh didn't come out as quiet as 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 war, as, as great as i was hoping it would be but i enjoy carving like doing these say so you know you when you see something ornate you know particularly somebody like me who enjoys dabbling in it you have a whole new appreciation you know just like my dad he creates uh, he takes these blank cowboy hats and you would believe how the uh the details he makes uh this double crown like Roy roger's had in his hat, and now he's even figured out a way how to put a cross in the in and to mold that in the top of the hat, you know, the craftsmanship, uh, you know, when you see something like it, it's like, wow, you know, when you see a talent like it, it's just like, you know, unbelievable. So you can only imagine these master craftsmen uh, who created these ornate things uh, there in the temple. So, you know, uh, so we're going to take a look at these sort of things. Now, uh, we want to get into some detail here. So let me bring this up so you kind of get an idea of what the temple looked like there it is for social media and here it is for those on the website so hopefully everybody can see that on the website so it kind of gives you an idea of what the tabernacle looked like now the court of the tabernacle tab like flood the court of the tabernacle <laughs> the court of the tabernacle was 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. It's surrounded by a curtain-like fence as you see here. All right, and um, uh, is a fine twined linen, seven and a half feet high. The white linen stood for the wall of holiness that surrounds the presence of God. The curtain was supported by 20 pillars on the north and south sides and by 10 on the east and west sides. And the pillars were set in sockets of brass and had tops of silver. There was only one gate. It was on the east side, and it was 30 feet wide and seven and a half feet high. It was made of fine twined linen with blue and purple scarlet yarns. Uh, There was a bronze altar seven and a half feet square and four and a half feet high made of a chachi wood. So you kind of see that the altar uh, there kind of in the middle there, kind of gives you an idea uh, of that uh, that altar. Um, And uh, see, its top was bronze grating, which was the sacrifice was laid and had four horns to which the offering was bound. There was the laver. The laver was made from brass mirrors of the women. Uh, glass mirrors didn't exist at the time, obviously, but its dimensions were not given, but the priests bathed themselves in the water in it before they carried out their, their sacrifice. And so now that bronze lever, um, now we can see, let's go over here, let am bringing this back up here, hopefully everybody was able to view that on the uh, website, but uh, the bronze lever, we can see that in Exodus 38.8, let me go over here just real quick, Exodus 38. On here 38 8 it says he made the basin of bronze and a stand in the stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So, I kind of gives you an idea where we're getting that from. All right, now let's get back to this over here to the uh, tabernacle, and we're going to look at another viewpoint here in just one second. All right, now. Uh, the tabernacle itself was constructed of 48 acacia beams, 15 feet high and 2 feet 3 inches wide. Now, remember, one thing that's interesting to know, too, is that the tabernacle in Hebrew is called Mishkan. If I'm saying that, hopefully i am pronounce that correctly, uh, is, is also known as a dwelling place. So, that's the Hebrew for that. Now, um, let's see here. Um, uh, the, the tabernacle was 15 feet high, 2 feet 3 inches wide. They overlaid it with pure gold and rested in sockets of silver. They were bound together by outside connecting rods and by a wooden tie beam which ran through the center tabernacle, dividing into parts. The first, the two-thirds of the whole was the holy place. The inner part, one-third of the whole, a cube of 15 feet on each side was the holy of holies. The curtain which hung from the holy place was supported by five brass pillars and made of fine linen, worked in blue, purple, and scarlet. So, let's take a look at that inner chamber here. Give me just one second. There we go. So, we see this here, the holy place, all right, it contained three things. There was the golden lampstand, which you can see here. It stood on the south side. It was beaten out of a single piece of solid gold. The lamps were fed through pure olive oil and were always lit on the north side to the table of the showbread, all right? And uh, it was made of a chechia wood covered with gold. It was three feet long, one and a half feet wide, two feet, three inches high. Every Sabbath, 12 loaves made of the finest flour were laid on it, in two rows of six on the priest could eat these loaves when they were removed. They were changed every Sabbath. There was the altar of incense. It was of a cheecha, was sheathed in gold, is one half feet square and three feet high on it. Incense symbolizes the prayers of the people rising to God it was burned every morning and evening. In the front of the Holy of Holies. Okay. Uh, there was the veil, which we see over here. You see the veil here in this picture. Uh and the veil, um Uh, which is made of fine twined linen and bordered in scarlet and purple and blue, and the cherubim upon it, and to the Holy of Holies, not one but the High Priest. um, Hold on here, sorry. Lost my place here, what I was talking about. Uh, High Priest might enter, in only once a year on the Day of Atonement, and only after the most elaborate preparations within the Holy of Holies, to the Ark of the Covenant. It contained three things, the golden pot of the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the law, it was made of a wood sheathed outside and linen inside with gold. It was three feet nine inches long, two feet three inches wide, and two feet three inches high. It was a lid called the mercy seat. On the mercy seat there was two cherubim of solid gold with overarching wings. It was there that the very presence of God rested. For he had said, There I will meet you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Covenant." Um, and so that kind of gives you an idea. Now, here is a little more detailed diagram. There we go. The tabernacle you have the you see the, the covenant, kind of a topographical viewpoint, kind of give you a better idea of the Ark of the Covenant, the golden lampstand, the tabernacle, the incense altar, the table of the showbread, altar of burnt offering, courtyard, laver. So, it kind of gives you a better idea of what uh, we're discussing there. So, hopefully, I give you a little. I I told my wife, I like to give them the the, um, visuals like that so that you can have a, um, you know, it's one thing for me to sit and describe it, it's one thing for me to talk about it, but to actually see it. Uh, it kind of I think brings a clear understanding as to what we're talking about and discussing here so I'm hoping these these images uh, as I was describing them kind of give a better idea of what I'm what the Bible is referring to and uh, instead of just trying to you know in your head think okay you try to imagine a curtain and you're trying to imagine these colors and you're trying to imagine what a laver is and this altar and and you know the, the screen the you know all these different things it kind of gives you uh, you know to have the visual gives you a better clarification. So I'm hoping that uh, uh, you're able, this is something new I was able to do on the website uh, this evening. Before, I was only able to do it on social media. So hopefully on the website, uh, you were able to uh, take advantage and, and see the images uh, as well. So I, I worked uh, a little bit on that, trying to, trying to get that up and going. So praise God that did work. So Uh, Again, going back to our verse, uh, we see here now even the first covenant had regulations. Now one thing to remember, keep in mind too, that uh, particularly I think it was MacArthur had made comment that uh, there's only two chapters devoted to creation, but there's over 50 chapters uh, in response or or devoted to the tabernacle. So obviously this is of great importance that God wants us to understand. Remember, this is a shadowing uh, of uh, just a... um, uh, a, a picture if you will of, of the reality uh, of, of heaven and how we're and God's glories that we'll see there and how that we are purified to be in God's presence and and how the priest well we'll get to that here in just a second but you know we talk about a picture uh, you know imagine uh, you know if you will uh, if you were um, dating someone overseas, all right, and you're having this long-distance relationship. Pretend this is before FaceTiming, okay, and uh, and, and it's old school days of the 90s. I know that for people my daughter's age, like, oh my gosh, the 90s, that's so long ago. Well, actually, it was, but anyway, uh, to me, it seemed like yesterday, but you know, your long-distance relationship, and all you have is just a picture of the person you love, and you're looking at that picture, you're adoring that picture, and uh, you, you know what they look like. Can't wait to see them, and uh, but when the, when the reality of that person finally comes to you and you finally get to see that individual, well, you don't need the picture anymore because you have the reality and the, the realness of the individual that you have longed for. And so that's kind of what we're seeing here in regards to uh, this tabernacle and how things are working uh, is just a just a picture of, of the reality of, of what's to come. And so it says, for a tent was prepared the first section in which were lampstand, the table, the bread, and the presents, like we just talked about. It was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar incense and the Ark of the Covenant. Now, it's very interesting that the Ark of the Covenant, uh, you know, it disappeared uh, during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it was around, um, I don't know, 863 B.C. Uh, that it disappeared. Uh, it was when the Ark of the Covenant uh, disappeared. Interesting, though, it was um, actually discovered again in 1936 by Dr. Henry Jones. Uh, the The Nazis were trying to find, I keep I was trying to keep a straight face, but I can't do it anyway. I thought it, I thought it'd be funny, uh, to, you know. It really did disappear in Nebuchadnezzar in, uh, in 586 B.C. But, uh, of course, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones, 1936. <laughs> I couldn't help but uh, just throw that in there. I'd like to have been uh, actually in church and see the look on people's faces just to see if they would have caught it or not. Uh, but, uh, you know, side note that uh thirty nine years ago yesterday, Indiana Jones did premiere uh in movie theater. So thought that a little back in nineteen eighty one. So just a little um um Trivia there for you in regards to the Ark of the Covenant. You know, when you read about the Ark of the Covenant, you know, uh, to that's for whatever reason. At least for me, of course, I'm obviously weird. Uh, you know, that, that's what comes to my mind a lot of times is the the fictional tale of Indiana Jones. Obviously, all that was just a bunch of baloney. and there's no truth to it whatsoever uh, at all. And uh, but you know, but. One good thing, though, at least he kind of gave some kind of a, uh, an, an accurate look at what the Ark of the Covenant looked like. You know, I, I could show you the picture of it there, but you, you see the uh, the 3D image, if you will, on uh, movie screen. So at least you got a good idea of what it looked like there. So I hope you don't didn't mind my, my humor there for the poor tip thereof. Uh, so the Ark of the Covenant, all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn, holding the manna. And now the manna, and, you know, of course, you remember... Uh, the people were hungry, and, and God sent them in. I mean, they, they was only allowed to uh, collect it um, you know, during the day and as much as they could eat. If they didn't eat it then, then it would turn to worms and go bad. And um, so uh, this was really kind of a representation, if you will, uh, symbolism of Christ's daily bread. All right, so you know, obviously, we have, uh, you know, God's good word, uh, His meat. This is daily bread every day uh, to feed us, give us nourishment spiritually uh, each and every day. So uh, there's that representation of that. And I'm telling you, if you're not taking part of uh, being in in God's word, that's just why I do those devotions each and every morning, so that you can um, uh, to encourage you in your Bible studies, to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. That's why I do these kind of things. Uh, and hopefully you're taking advantage of that. And then inside of that also was, as we were just discussing when I was talking about this, was Aaron's staff that budded. Now that is the representation of of, of Christ the branch, the branch of course says lineage of David that branched, uh, and he became our our Savior. Uh, and the tablets uh, of the of um, of the covenant. I'll get here in a second. And so you know that is when you look at the tab. Of course, that was the Ten Commandments, uh, showing God's standards uh, for us. Now remember, you know, as we discussed about a little bit um, last Sunday, uh, the covenant was between God and Israel, and um, of course they broke that covenant, and that's one reason why we were seeing these type of uh, of rituals and things that we're seeing with this tabernacle uh, to for them to to have reconciliation, to have forgiveness for their sins. But it, but it. Was, you know, it it wasn't a permanent situation. And that's why they had to keep going back and doing these things and asking for uh, forgiveness of sins that they were aware of. But it didn't cover the sins that they. Uh, that they intentionally did. You know, the the sins that we intentionally do uh, may outweigh what the sins that we don't mean to do. And so you could imagine, uh, constantly wondering, you know, am I asking for enough forgiveness? Did I intentionally do this? Did I not mean to do this? I mean, you could only imagine how tough that would be uh, to constantly deal with that that torment of wondering, you know, am I really uh, being covered here? Uh, Let's see here. Uh, let me get back, where was I at here? Uh, okay, above that we're the cherubim of the glory, of overshadowing, of the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. Now, these preparations have been made. The priests go regularly into the first section performing the ritual duties, but on the only the high priest goes, and, but once a year and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people." So remember, he would take uh, the blood of bulls and he would uh, do it one side, he'd do it down another. He had two goats uh, and uh, a ram uh, for sacrifice. And, uh, and remember the you know, the, the high priest, they had to purify themselves. They had to wash in that basin. They had to do all these rituals, uh, and, and because of the um, uh, to to cleanse themselves in order to go into the uh, uh, the inner sanctuary, uh, the inner courtyard, if you will, uh, in God's presence uh, for these uh, day of atonement. And of course, they would um, take one, They would sacrifice one of the uh, uh, the goats. And then they would take the other one, lay their hands upon it, and it would impart all the sins of the people upon that goat. And uh, and once they had had uh, done that, then they would let the 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 uh, goat loose into the wilderness. And uh, as as a symbol symbolism for uh, people's sins uh, that they were they were let go, they were forgiven, they were gone. And so that's where we get the word scapegoat, if you will. Okay. And, of course, I know many of you have heard that terminology as well. You know, and you look at, you know, you see all these things. And, again, we're seeing symbolism of the things to come. So we see that Jesus Christ was the scapegoat. He was the one. Remember, he was bruised for iniquities. He was, uh, you know, he was beaten. He was he nailed to that cross. He was cast out of the city, just as we talked talking about this goat who was a part of those sins, and cast out of the city and nailed to that cross and took the sins upon the world upon him. Here he was innocent of, of no sin. And he took the sins of the world upon him, upon that cross, uh, to to uh, save us To for instance, so that our sins could be atoned for for all of eternity, the one and only sacrifice that all that mattered. You know, whether sins done intentionally or unintentionally, God forgives those sins, you know, except for the sin of apostasy, except for, you know, if, if you have the the, um, uh, the the sin, you know, was it the... Um, a pardonable sinning out here in a second, where you deny the Holy Spirit. Of course, obviously, you're going to seek for forgiveness if you're denying the Holy Spirit and denying uh, the, the, the calling of God. You know, obviously, you're not going to, probably not even want to worry about it. But uh, so all those sins are God. So we're seeing this symbolism that these, are, these things are being covered only by uh, superficial ways, but it's only through Jesus Christ that our sins are atoned for for all of eternity. You know, again, remember, they had to go through. Uh, the outer courtyard and they had to go to the priest, and they had to have this sacrifice, and they had to uh, explain these sins. You had to have the high priest to go into the inner court, and he had his rituals, and he had his things that he had to do, and then there was God behind this major thick curtain, if you will, and they, they even they couldn't go in there. They had to go through all these steps. You know, even, you know, the high priest, you know, when he went in there, it ain't like he just kicked his heels up and, and hung out with God and said, well, here's what's going on. Even he had a big veil, a curtain that he couldn't even pass through uh, in order to talk to others about, uh, about their sins. But that's one thing that Jesus Christ did was bridge that gap. There's no more veil. There's no more tabernacle. There's no more animal sacrifice. We have a direct link between us and God. What a wonderful thing that we can talk to God daily. That's you know, and doing these devotions, my personal devotions each morning, the the morning devotions that are aired on uh, social media and on the website. That we have that opportunity, that ability to convene and have one on one time with Jesus Christ, one on one time with God the Father, having that relationship, that right relationship with God. And so that's why Jesus Christ came to 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 get rid of all those those things. In fact, that was one of the problems. That um, that Jesus Christ had with the Pharisees, everything was external. Everything had to deal with the outward appearance. Everything had to deal with their ornate uh, look and how they 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 dressed and and uh, being seen praying and and doing all these different rituals. Well, you look over here at Matthew twenty-five. Let me go over here, at Matthew twenty-five over here, and uh, let's see here twenty-five. Uh, Bookmark sticking on me here 25 and uh 25 through 28 says so i was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground here ye have what is yours but his master answered and you wicked and slothful servant you knew what i reap where i have sown and gather where i scattered seed then you ought to have invested see wait a minute i don't see right 25 25 I'm sorry. Thirty-five. Now, wait a minute. That don't sound right. All right. thirty-five. I'm sorry. Chapter twenty-five, verse thirty-five. I get a hair in a second. But, uh, 35, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous ones him saying, Lord, when did you see me hungry, feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when you did, you see a stranger, and I still ain't right. I don't know where I messed up at. Anyway, ah." that is not what I was looking for anyway um, what I was trying to find there was um, where he was talking, he called them uh, uh, whitewashed sepulchres and he was calling them out for their um, uh, for what they were doing, that everything they were doing was external but they haven't received the things that were internal, that's the verse I was trying to read and I thought I had the right ones but apparently I wrote down the wrong verse so I apologize for that uh, David Feathers had uh, written on here, and he said, uh, who determined who the high priest was? Uh, David, we um, uh, uh, I, hit on this, um, I don't know if it was last week or or last, uh, but uh, you had to be in the line of, of Aaron. Uh, and um, in order, you had to be born into the priesthood. And so that's the only way you couldn't just, you know, somebody couldn't just determine you to be a priest. You couldn't be, um, just decide yourself to be a priest. You had to be in that line, that lineage of Aaron in order to be that priest or high priest. That's why Jesus was set apart. He was in the line of Melchizedek. That's what allowed him uh, to be that high priest who had no beginning, who had no end. That's why Jesus Christ was set apart and become our high priest. So I hope that uh, will help answer uh, that question uh, that you just asked there. So, uh, okay, now getting back over here to this. I uh, apologize on that verse. I don't know. Uh, I must have been thinking of something else or wrote something else down. But uh, I was thinking there was another, hold on here, in regards to the temple that I was wanting to. Um, oh, I know what it was. It was about the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, If you want to um, cross-reference that uh, with Exodus 25, uh, 18 through 22, uh, it says, And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work shall you make them on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on one end and one cherub on the other end of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread. Uh, out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat, with their wings, their faces one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put their mercy seat on the top of the ark. and the ark you shall put on, put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, and I will speak with you about all that I will give you a commandment of the people of Israel. Okay. So I just wanted you to uh, cross-reference that uh, with that, but um, you know what, I think I know where I messed up at. I think I read Matthew, let's see here, yes. That's where I messed up. I told you Matthew 25 is Matthew 23. That's where I messed up. It just dawned on me here why I messed up. 23, 25. See, all right. I, it proves I'm not perfect. I know people. It's hard to. It's hard for you to understand that, but I'm not. But 23, 25 through 28. I feel much better now. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, then the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, why, which outwardly appear beautifully, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So also outwardly appeared righteous to others, but within you full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Yes. All right. I feel much better now when I, when I got the right verse out there. And you know, and there's a lot of people like you, as Christians outwardly, they look holy, they look righteous, in fact, they may have a holier-than-thou attitude, and they're looking their nose down, oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that, I can't believe you did that, and oh, Look at this person with long hair. Oh, can you believe that she wore pants? You know, that was a bunch of crazy stuff. But inside, you know, they're dead. They're, they're only worried about the outward appearance. They have not made that uh, inward change. And that's what Jesus Christ is getting on the Pharisees here. They got caught up in the all these rituals of the Old Testament. And remember again, the Hebrew author here is trying to show and demonstrate a better way, a new way that Jesus Christ has provided for them do not be sucked in to this old way. Remember, you know, as I, you know, I uh, say this probably every time we talk about this, but they were trying, it's so easy to want to go back to that old way of living. And he's he trying to say, no, there is a better way, all right? We, uh, we don't need to worry about all these um, uh, uh, external things that we see here that are having to do with these rituals, uh, the shadow of things that uh, they had to do. He's trying to explain them the reality of Jesus Christ. You know, and it's, you know, the whole thing boils down to is dealing with guilt and dealing with those things that uh, they were trying to atone for. You know, guilt uh, can eat you alive, uh, at least, you know, for some people. Now you have actors and people in the world who justify their sins and blame their circumstances and, and feel that they, they they can justify their guilt and blow them off and act like it's no big deal. You know, it's amazing uh, in a world, you know, our nation, uh, people really, mm, really, makes me angry. People say, we are not a Christian nation. Well, you know, we are not a theocracy, but we were founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic. Whether you like it or not, that's what it was. You know, I, I see some erroneous things put out there on social media, and i tell you what, people, particularly here lately, with everything that's going on, and some of the ignorance that's being spewed out there, whether it comes to theology, whether it comes to history. I tell you what, you have to, You could ask my wife. It takes everything in me from saying something. And like I said in my uh, post this morning, I, my goal is not to put anything out there unless it can be positive. And you don't have a clue how hard it's been for me and I have typed things and deleted it because I'm thinking, no, that might not be a good witness, and no, that may not be the proper way to say something, so I have to let it go. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of people try to justify their sins, and they try to uh, make excuses so they can uh, get out of that feelings of guilt. And so, and that's what they were doing here. You know, they were they were guilty. We are guilty of sin. But see, we can go directly to God the Father, ask for forgiveness, and know that He is faithful, and just to forgive us those sins. They are guilty. They were guilty. They understood that. And so they had to profess their guilt. And so they had to make that atonement with the sacrifice of animals. But it still didn't cover everything. It was only just temporary. And so they had to keep coming back. But we have the the fortunate ability to, to ask for forgiveness and know that it will not be brought up again. And we are faithful just to be forgiven for those who are saved. For those of us who are saved, we 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 are made we have made ourselves whole and perfect before God the Father, and uh, and so uh, we're not perfect here on earth, obviously, where we are tainted with sin. But I'm talking about uh, in the presence of God when we stand before Him, that was makes us uh, that's what allows us to stand before God uh, and guiltless because of our faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that He is, His blood has covered our sins. Those who do not know Jesus Christ, a personal Lord Savior, their guilt is full and complete and they will be judged for every single thing that they've ever had to deal with. But see, there's guilt and then there's false guilt. And see, in false, you know, guilt and false guilt, you know, these things can be a good thing because they can drive you to repentance. And, uh, and that's hopefully that is the end result. It would drive you to the point of saying, I am in need of a savior. I am in need of asking for forgiveness. I need to repent of my sins. I need salvation. I need to be saved. I need this. Or, all right, you have that false guilt in a couple of different ways. It can either drive you away from God. In fact, I see, I think it was, uh, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. I want to say it was Second Corinthians. Uh, yes, 2 Corinthians seven ten. I was worried I'd forget. I get a little scattered brain sometimes when I'm talking. I uh, yeah. hold on here. 2 Corinthians seven, verse ten. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Okay, so, uh, you know, we dealing with that guilt. See, the false guilt uh, can either, you know, you can feel like there's no way you can ever be forgiven. There's no way you can ever uh, come to the presence of God. And so it can actually, it may even drive you away uh, from God. And so and that is, that is the worst and end result that you could possibly be, or you can have the false guilt to the extent of, well, I know that I'm forgiven, but it's not enough. So I have to atone for my sins. I have to do something else uh, to because apparently there's people out here don't think what what God's grace His mercy His love uh, was not enough wasn't sufficient enough and, and see Jesus I mean the old devil can impart those that false guilt that, that sense of false guilt within you to say well I know I'm forgiven but I know God forgives me but. You know, and then so then that's when you back it back up again and you say, well, then that truly says saying that, well, then you're not fully committed and understand that God's free gift of grace, that forgiveness of sins, that he, that you have to do nothing about it. But man's idea is, well, I have to do something else. I have to add to that. And so you ask for forgiveness, but you think you have to do something more. Maybe you think you have to uh, have a legalistic idea of, of looking a certain way or acting a certain way or, or, uh, uh, or uh, maybe you, know, you think bad things are happening to you, but you think, well, that's, that's what happens because I'm a bad person. And even though God forgives me, he has to make these bad things happen too because I'm such a bad person. You know, whatever it may be, you think you have to do something else on top of that. That is wrong. God's grace is sufficient. You are forgiven. All right? So when the devil starts creeping in your head and he starts to say, well, you know, you've asked for forgiveness, but you're still guilty. You still feel horrible. You still feel bad. That's what I said before. You can ask for forgiveness of sins. God is faithful and just forgives those sins, but the battle doesn't stop there. The old devil still continues to fight you. The old devil still continues to come after you. And he still wants to make you think and say, well, you know, look what you've done. Look what you said. Look how you acted. I wonder if anybody saw you. I wonder, if, you know, look what you, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be a preacher. You're supposed to be a deacon. You're supposed to be an elder. You're supposed to be a child of God. People see you sitting in the church every Sunday. If they only knew what you were or how you acted or what you've done, that's when the old, that's when it keeps going. And that's when you have to say, in the name of Jesus, abide and rebuke you, Satan, get away from me. Because I am a child of God. I am a king's kid. I know I'm forgiven. I am loved. I am delivered. I am redeemed. I am sanctified. And you've got to let it go. And it's hard to shut those thoughts down. That's why we wrestle not with flesh and blood. And that's where the old devil wants to hit us the hardest, is with guilt. And, we, and we, it's hard to live with that sometimes. But you have to understand that we, we are forgiven. And God loves you. And he doesn't give up on you and there may be consequences to our actions, obviously, but uh, but we have to learn from those experiences. We have to avoid those, those pitfalls, and those trials, and those things that we deal with each and every day. We have to try to learn. When we fall, all right, and then we, we learn from that, we're like, well, you know what? I need to avoid that next time. When you feel like temptation, I ah, better not go down that road, because I know where the end result's going to be, and so you try to avoid it. You walk around the the mental block, if you will, to get away from that uh, so that you don't fall down that path again and live the rest of the day, eat up with guilt. Oh, I wish I had done that. Oh, I wish I had done it. You know, I've been there. I know what it's like. But we have to understand that Jesus Christ took those sins, our guilt upon him when he was nailed to that cross. You are forgiven. You are free. Don't put yourself back in that bondage. That's where the old devil wants you is in in bondage of guilt and, and, and regret. That's what the old devil wants. And so you have to understand that you are free, you are forgiven, and you are loved because of what Jesus Christ done. What they were trying to attain externally is what Jesus Christ did for us spiritually. And he now, did, so that we had to have faith and trust that he forgives us and he loves us and he's not going to let us go. And, you know, I think some people think it, uh, you know, and I've said this before, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, we, we, we grow up, with the, um, uh, you know, when we mess up, you know, a lot of us, and of course, if you listen to Dad's message this morning. We understand, they, you know, there's a lot of the timeout kids who didn't get a spanking. That's why we're seeing a lot of people like they are today. But a lot of people my age, we grew up getting spanked, and our fannies busted. All right, and so we mess up. There's punishment, and I think we're not so ingrained into our thinking that when we mess up, we sin against God. We're, we're, we're like oh uh, we're going to get it now we're going to get punished it's going to happen now and so we're just like you know that god's not like it all right god's like you know what i forgive you i love you you know you know he's not he's justified your sin he abhors sins he hates sin all right and he's like you know don't do it again but you know try your best not do it again but i forgive you it's all right man let's, let's move forward you know so stay in the past let's move forward and uh, you can't let your guilt uh, get the best of you. And that's the problem. You know, that's what this kind of boils down to, really, is dealing with guilt. You know, one thing that um, the nation of Israel had to do uh, in regards to uh, their sacrifice and, and what they're doing with the tabernacles, they had to fast. And uh, you know, when you're looking at fasting, uh, you know, it is. Uh, some people have some uh, weird ideas when it comes to fasting. But it's, it's not trying to change God's mind uh, to, in, in a certain situation, but it's, it's, a, it's the sense that you're trying to seek God out. Some people automatically assume that it's uh, fasting from food. That might be one aspect of it. And usually a fasting is, is not for a dieting reasons. If you're doing fasting for dieting reasons, you're going to, that's not what that's about. Fasting sometimes can be from sun up to sun down, that's fine. Fasting can be something that, uh, say, from computers or internet or Facebook or whatever it may be for a short amount of time. The point is is to draw close to God, seeking God out. That's the point of the fast. And of course, I've told you all this before. A couple years back, I told Dad, I said, I need to take at least a week off, I, I, I just really feel, you know, i really struggled, I'll be honest with you, after I graduated with my doctorate, I really struggled, and the devil was attacking me hard, I was beginning to question if I even wanted to be in the ministry anymore, it's just, I don't know, my head was just, I don't know, I can't explain it, it's just a, a, a spiritual torment mentally, and um, I, I you know, it, 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 I was just really having a tough time in regards to my ministering and preaching, and just I really struggled, I don't know how else to put it, and I needed that time off, and yes, I did fast the first day, but then the rest of the week, I just, I didn't turn on the TV, it's just what I felt led to do, I'm not telling you, that's what you need to do in fasting, it's just what I felt led to do, and I didn't turn on the TV, I didn't get on the internet, I didn't get on the computer, Uh, I just, uh, well, technically, I mean, I had to get on there to get to some books and stuff I had, I was wanting to read. But I'd have spent time praying and reading and, and reading God's word and searching the Lord out. And I'm telling you what, I look back at that week as probably one of the greatest weeks of my life spiritually speaking, because that fun, that week fundamentally changed my whole outlook on ministry, my relationship with the Lord. It was a wonderful thing, and I, uh, you know, I, I just I keep putting the words, you know, and. I don't know that I can recreate it, no, and I don't want to try to. That was a special moment, time, and place in history in my life that uh, that I, I, I will never, uh, you know, would wouldn't take nothing in the world for. And so they had to fast. And maybe that's something that you may to do. Maybe you're, you're struggling with things spiritually. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of guilt. Maybe you're dealing with things that uh, you don't know how to, how to handle. Maybe your relationship with the Lord is struggling. Maybe you need to take a day, two days. Maybe you need to take a week. Who knows? And really try to seek the Lord out. Work on that relationship. Maybe that's what this is, the relationship between us and God. And that's what we want to develop. That's what we want to work on each and every day is that right relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, we don't have to do all these rituals anymore. There's no, no, you know, remember they, the priest, they had to like completely bathe themselves. And, and then they had to do all this with the rituals with the blood and, and sacrifice and do all these things. The people were in the courtyard. They were having to do this. They were having to do, I mean, all these things are eliminated now because of what Jesus Christ done. He became that scapegoat. He's the one who took the sins of the world upon him so that we can have that direct line of communication between us and God. And so many people take it for granted. So many people take it for granted. That relationship with Jesus Christ, the relationship with God. The only time they pray is when they see a cop car in the rearview mirror. Oh God, please, oh God, no. You know. <laughs> so, you know, or when something bad happens. That's you know, that's the only time they're spending time in prayer. We needed to work on that. We need to develop it each and every day. Look forward to that time with the Lord. You know, I think some people look at coming to church or reading their Bible like, uh, oh, oh, i got to do this today. Let me go do it and get it over with. Man, what a bad attitude to have. You should be excited to want to spend that time with Jesus Christ. You be excited to want to spend that time with God. Excited uh, to want to go to church and be with like-minded believers. Excited to do those things. We need to have that zeal back. We need to have that excitement back with Jesus Christ. Dump this apathy. Dump, dump this complacency. We need to be excited about the things of God. And all the only way we can do that is working on that right relationship. Dealing with our sin guilt. Dealing with those things that are in our past. Understand that are nailed to the cross. Past, present, and future is nailed to the cross. And so as they were searching for a way to uh, eliminate that guilt, uh, their, their guilt of sin, and, it was, and they were very much guilty of that, we are guilty of sin. Does one man sin? We have all sinned. And so that's why we can give that guilt. We can ask for forgiveness to Jesus Christ uh, from our hearts and give that over to him. And uh, man, what a wonderful thing that is. You know, guilt can drive people insane and make them do some crazy stuff. And I think guilt's one of why a lot of people dive into drugs and alcohol and these things because they want to self-medicate. They want to numb themselves of what they're dealing with. But only God, only Jesus Christ has those keys to to freedom that we so desperately need. So if you haven't made that commitment to Jesus Christ today, I pray that you will do that in closing and, and that you'll pray that prayer. If you've made that commitment to Christ, man, realize you're forgiven. Realize you're loved, man. Don't live in guilt. You've been given the keys to freedom enjoy it and praise god for it and let's use that to minister and talk to others who may be dealing with spiritual mental and emotional issues themselves so let's have a word of prayer if our lord we thank you and love you and praise you lord thank you so much for this wonderful day that you bless us with thank you for your grace your mercy thank you lord jesus for your atoning sacrifice lord thank you for saving us jesus thank you and lord for someone watching this evening that doesn't know you let them pray this prayer dear god Forgive me of all my sins, Jesus. I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with you, all the Holy Spirit, Lord. Be with us. Lead us, God. Protect us. So we meet again. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hope everybody has a great evening. Stay dry out there. It's storming and raining and nasty out. But uh, Lord willing, we'll meet again Wednesday evening at seven o'clock, and we'll continue this study and uh, see where the Lord leads. So, everybody has a great and wonderful evening, and uh, God bless. Thanks for watching.